Welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball, and I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. We are currently living in a real-life simulation of Game of Zones, apparently, so I couldn't be happier to talk about it with Anthony Irwin. Anthony, how are you doing? I mean, we've always, it's always felt like 2020 was some kind of a weird simulation, but like Game of Thrones, Game of Zones, calling their shots of, <laughs> of Kyrie Irving throwing the, the NBA into turmoil was just, that was, I, I, I happen to follow and have followed and, you know, we've mutually followed each other. Um, Adam uh, Malamute, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. And we, we, you know, we'll, we'll at back and forth or DM back and forth. And like, it's just, I don't know if he could have possibly, like, <laughs> I, I, I always kind of wonder when something like this happens, does the person who created that content, like look at themselves in the mirror and say, what did I do? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how this feels. It's so strange because like, you know, on the surface, there were little things like, oh, you know, the, the entire realm is collapsing and all of the players have to gather in one area to play, you know, <laughs> their final game. And it's like, all right, that's, that's kind of similar to what's happening. But it's like, it's so out there that you can't say that it's predicting one thing or another, but like legitimately Kyrie Irving leading a mutiny against the rest of the league is <laughs> it's unbelievable. And like, I, I don't want to dim- belittle or diminish anything that Kyrie Irving is saying. Uh, I think it's a very valid uh, train of thought that the NBA would be doing a disservice by taking attention away from the social justice movements that are happening throughout the country. Um, I I do sincerely wish that it was somebody other than Kyrie Irving heading this little movement because, I mean, he said the earth was flat. Like, I know he took it back. um, And I know he said he was, like, just challenging the way things are thought and the way we intake information. But it's a really stupid thing to say. It's a very, very stupid thing to say. And I keep coming back to this one quote that Woj had in his original story about, you know, Kyrie Irving, the disruptor. And it was, I'm not as interested in him as the messenger than I am in the message. That's what one player told him. So, yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, yeah. I think there's very reasonable discussion to be had here. And clearly a lot of the players are compelled by what Irving stands for here. God, I wish it wasn't Kyrie Irving. Well, it's tough on on a few levels, right? Like there's the stuff that you're talking about, which I, I, I guess it's popular now on Twitter to tell people off for joking about Kyrie Irving's flat earth thing, but it was stupid enough that we should, we should joke about it. We should make fun of that forever. Quite yes. frankly, it was so dumb. And, and like he, like he gives off, we, we both went to college. He gives off like sophomore year friend who takes their first like philosophy class vibes. Right. Right. And, and, you know, the way that they carry on and they quote Plato and, and, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, I, I, it's really rare, honestly, that the messengers on stuff like this is perfect. Um, yeah, I remember, I remember early on with Colin Kaepernick, it was, um, the, the knock on him was, well, is he on his way out of the league anyway? Is this how he's going to make himself or keep himself relevant? Right. And, Mm -hmm. Um, like there's always ways to poke holes and messengers on stuff like this, but with Kyrie, especially like he wasn't going to play. Right. Like he's, he like in a very practical manner, he wasn't going to be involved in this. And 
it's it's I, I can kind of I can really understand where Ed Davis is coming from, where he's like, "Hey, man, you aren't going to be playing in this thing anyway. Why are you messing with my money?" Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't think Ed Davis cares any less about the Black Lives Matter movement than Kyrie Irving does, but you know, a player like Ed Davis has more at stake here than a player like Kyrie Irving who has a giant contract that he's playing on, isn't going to be playing in this thing anyway, and probably has another giant contract coming his way later anyway. Uh, like somebody like Ed Davis and the other role players around the league are probably like, hey, man, like, can, can we, why, why are these things mutually exclusive? Why, wh- how do we arrive at a place where social consciousness, consciousness and basketball uh, cannot coexist? And I, frankly, I, while it's not my place to agree or disagree with how uh, black people protest, I, I, I find myself asking the same questions that Ed Davis does. Yeah, and I think um, yesterday was kind of a weird test case for it because the, the giant 100-page manual for the NBA Orlando plan, all of their health and safety procedures and the bubble setup was released. And to be fair, most of the conversation yesterday was just about, oh my God, this is so weird, other than the discussion around Harry Irving and Avery Bradley and this group of players that have come together to try to get the NBA to participate more strongly in social justice. And I think that's a fair concern that mm-hmm. there's going to be so much going on with the NBA because we, we pick up on every little detail with these guys. I mean, uh, anytime like one guy looks at another one is scants during an NBA game. Like that's, that's 24 hours of content for us. So um, <laughs> I, I totally understand the, you know, the feeling that we're in as the media and as fans, we're going to pick up on insignificant things and make stories out of them. And yeah, basketball is entertainment at a certain point, but I, I do think that the NBA has a real platform here mm-hmm. to try to do something bigger and more impressive. And I, that's what I wanted to get into now was, uh, Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley and some other players. I think Irving and Bradley are sort of the the heads of this, are leading a coalition of, you know, players who are set to play in Orlando and who want the NBA to meaningfully address social issues, not just say like, hey, we stand with Black Lives Matter and we support our players. They want them to actually do something. And I thought what was really interesting was that Bradley said that he wants, or the this group wants the NBA to address its hiring practices. Um, hmm. because I've always thought it was strange. Like the, the longer I follow the league, it seems like there are fewer and fewer black coaches and executives, which really seems like it should be going in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important that like the NBA starts to fix the things it can fix within its own you know system first. Um, and I don't think it was an accident really that the Knicks just announced today that they're interviewing black head coach candidates for their open position. Yeah, I mean, so it's been kind of interesting to watch as analytics have kind of taken over the league. Um, the typical executive has started to look a certain way, right, or, or mm-hmm. hold a, a certain kind of background. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I know Jalen Rose has talked about this quite a bit, and I know, you know, a lot of former players who might have been on track to be uh, executives one day are, are looking at this analytics movement as, Oh, cool. So, so an analytically driven 
executive, that's just, we're just, we're just calling that a, you know, that's just another term for white guy. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think there's actually legitimate concern in that respect. I think, I think some of the points raised there um, are, are very valid. Now, does that mean teams shouldn't hire analytically driven executives? No, no. I, I think you can have a combination of, of, former players offering up their experiences. Like I think, I think one thing that has been lacking in this analytically driven era of, of executives is the empathy for players as human beings and how Mm -hmm. they're seen more as assets and, and pieces that are to be moved around a chessboard more than they are, or even as much as they are human beings who live very real lives and have to move their families across the country, right? Uh, in, in the event that they get traded for a 2037 conditional second rounder, you know, <laughs> I, I, I really, and, and that's where I think, you know, having a voice, having, you know, a voice of a player or a former player in the, uh, in the room for, as that happens, might actually really help those organizations that are looked at as too calloused to sign there moving forward. And, you know, I, I think if you were to, and, and, and the other thing too is why are analytics, you know, so uh, it's seen as so exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. People with a certain background, you know, you, you now have to go to MIT to talk about basketball, uh, you know, according to some corners of Twitter. And I just don't think, a a predominantly black sport should be in any way shape or form uh exclusive it should be it should be welcoming and if it's the information that is causing this exclusion then we should make that information more readily available why what's what's stopping the nba from holding classes for players to attend to inform themselves on on analytics you know all of these things like this is what we were talking about we joked about it you know like why did it have to be Kyrie and and Avery Bradley like I I don't know that I would really I'd be able to point out Avery Bradley's voice in a room of voices Mm -hmm. um so you know no the the messengers aren't perfect but I think some of the stuff that they're talking about is really worthwhile bringing up and the way that they've been attacked for bringing it up uh especially by you know people from ESPN who are corporate partners with, you know, or, or who are employed by Disney and Disney stands to benefit more than just about anybody by the NBA resuming on Disney headquarters or in at Disney headquarters, like the way that all this has kind of calmed down, I, I frankly kind of speaks to why these guys are concerned about resuming basketball in the first place. Right. I don't think it's any accident that the stakeholders, you know, in ESPN, painted Kyrie Irving in this meeting one way and then you saw it portrayed a very with a very different tone by Yahoo and other outlets mm-hmm. um, who aren't directly affiliated with ESPN and Disney. Um, and I, I think like one of the arguments that has been made by the players who want to go to Orlando, like you mentioned with Ed Davis, is that you know they need the money and they they can then use that money to put back into black mm-hmm. causes. But what I really liked about what Avery Bradley is saying is that why should it only be on the players to invest their money into communities for these social issues? Because most players are not going to approach the wealth of what the owners have. 
it's just, it's never going to happen in their lifetimes. Like we're talking millions versus billions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a guy like Steve Ballmer is worth like what, $60 billion. Um, well, in the case of like the of, bus family, we're talking thousands, but, but right. yeah, <laughs> most of the other owners are worth <laughs> at least like five plus billion dollars. Yeah. That's money that should be going into these causes. Mm-hmm. And even if, you know, uh, Bradley and the other guys who are taking the stand end up playing. I, I really like that they're using their leverage and that they're, you know, they want the NBA to be accountable because it's, it's one thing to say what you're about and it's quite another thing to do it. Mm-hmm. And apparently Lakers are like legitimately unsure if Avery Bradley is going to come with them to Orlando. And on the whole, I think NBA players have a bigger platform if they do go play. But I also think that like, the one or two that don't, you know, if they're on big name teams, will also be able to leverage that, you know, the fact that like I set out from potentially winning a championship to do this. And I think it'll resonate. Maybe. I, I think there's a chance of that. I'm with you that I think generally not playing kind of t- ties a hand behind your back mm-hmm. um, unnecessarily. Like, Think of how how badly people, you know, like people who who are more involved or are more immersed in not just this cause, but like any, you know, righteous cause, Mm -hmm. how 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 much they would give for the platform that NBA players are about to have. Right. Like baseball, baseball keeps on falling on its own face and football is still months away. And there's a chance here that basketball is going to be the only major sport. Like you'll have soccer, right? But it's not quite on the same level. And, and yeah, hockey will be back, but hockey isn't quite on the same level as basketball. So mm-hmm. the basketball has this opportunity where they are going to like all the eyes of the people who are so starved for sports, all those eyes are going to be on the, on the NBA because there won't be any other live sport to watch. And, you know, I, I think, if you're if you're just looking for the most productive way to get get the word out there, I don't know if very many more productive ways to do that are or, or exist that that aren't <laughs> what the what the NBA is about to have. So so I I don't know like I and look like we said earlier, it's not for us to tell NBA players or other Black people how to protest Black Lives Matter. Right. Like that's just, exactly. it's, it's not, it's not our place. We can have opinions on, you know, the, the, the process that goes into this and, and, and some of the decisions that are made, but even there, like our opinions on this matter roughly a zillionth as much as those who are playing central roles in this cause. So in, in this respect, like I personally think that, yeah, I, I think if you play, and then you find a way to not just like you're saying uh, impact the the world or society on on a, on a larger scale, but also enact some change in the NBA's own walls. Like mm-hmm. that should be the end game here. And I don't I don't know I don't know what they would be doing while not playing that they wouldn't be able to do while playing. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the rest of the country is protesting while still living their lives and going to their daily jobs, whether that's work from home or whatever it is. But, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, everybody else seems to be managing it, so I'm sure NBA players could, especially considering all the downtime they're going to have and how carefully regulated that seems to be. Um, and I do think that um, you mentioned, you know, that baseball and hockey could technically be going on at the same time, or soccer as basketball. But it, I mean, the demographics matter here. The the NBA, what they say about Black Lives Matter, given that its demographics are mostly African American, it just matters so much more than what the MLS or Major League Baseball or hockey, which are all predominantly non-black leagues and white in the case of baseball and hockey, there's just a different resonance there. And I, I don't think it can compare to what basketball or football would have to say. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And then also like you, it's like all those people who, who say like, I wish they would just take politics out of sports. Like they're still going to watch if this stuff is on, like they're still going to watch. You might get a, a small percentage of people who choose to boycott because they're Maybe racist. Maybe Ben Shapiro's going to turn the TV off. Yeah, like like uh, you know, if 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 their racism is so ingrained that they boycott, then like there's no way that you're going to impact those people. But are there ways to sway? Like I I, I I've said this a few times. I come from a very conservative background. Um, I myself lean more liberal, but hearing my dad kind of rethink some of this stuff where uh he is 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 questioning his kind of lifelong beliefs on a subject like the way that we are policed in this country um that's been really fascinating to watch and you know one thing that i i i really hope and it's what Kyrie and avery bradley and dwight howard and and so on and so forth are really out for is how can we how can we continue that progress and if there's even a chance that the NBA impedes that progress, then they shouldn't, they shouldn't take part in that. And I don't agree that the NBA resuming would impede that progress, but if, if them bringing this up leads to the NBA rethinking the way that they have participated in, in social issues uh, in years past, if they, if they can get the NBA to be a more active force in these things, rather than hey here's this nike i can't breathe shirt you know um then then i don't i don't really know why or where the criticism would come from on uh for these guys who who seem to really be about this this approach to enacting change yeah i completely agree and i think uh we've spent a little time talking about what avery bradley is pushing for uh why don't we take a little break and then we can come back and talk about Dwight Howard's place in all of this. So I know we talked about how Kyrie Irving was seemingly an imperfect messenger for social change, just given the way he's viewed on, you know, NBA fan landscape. I got to say, Dwight Howard emerging as a voice of reason, it's like the cherry on top of this redemption season that he's happening here, because I am so impressed with the way Dwight has been able to articulate what is important to him, um, why he believes, you know, the players need to take a stand here in terms of demanding actionable items from the NBA before they decide to play. Like, it's just, it's irreconcilable with the Dwight we used to know when he was with the Lakers the first time around and good for him. He's really grown up. I'm, I just, I'm so impressed. It's really, really cool to see. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of waiting the other night when he was on CNN for him to make a fart joke, you know, because that's the <laughs> Dwight that we knew in his previous stint with the Lakers. Um, I Here's my one 
not here's here's you know this is just from me coming from having worked in PR mm-hmm. if i if i could offer up any advice to Kyrie to Dwight to Avery uh, to uh, Avery Bradley um i would say like between the three of you uh, at i would maybe approach getting your information out there in a more uniform fashion than i've seen from them right like Dwight has been perfectly okay and and like you said very articulate in in his delivery of what he really cares about right now right mm-hmm. uh we we haven't heard as much from Avery Bradley and then with Kyrie Irving it's these like weird leaks about him leaving DM, you know group DMs and and being kind of scatterbrained even as he's trying to talk about the stuff in in the uh in the Zoom meetings with other NBA players too and now I, I do think some of that has to do with the the people who were relaying those that information, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I I don't think it's a coincidence at all that it has been mostly ESPN people who have been kind of poking holes in Kyrie Irving, the messenger. Um, but you know, still, I, I would prefer, uh, or or if I, if I were you know asked, hey, how would I approach offering up this information or offering up out where we're coming from, I would. I would try to keep it at least somewhat uniform between the people on my side of this spectrum, right? Because like one thing you know for sure, the owners are going to be unified on this. They are like they are, you know, we we've even seen to a fault with with baseball owners that a handful of owners being not really sure about baseball resuming has led to all of the owners going out there and making fools of themselves at least they're unified fools but fools nonetheless (laughs) um in this case here and 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 you know for for the nba like the owners are all going to be on board with playing basketball this year we've we've seen that consistently uh from that faction and then with the side of this conversation amongst players they are going to be unified in wanting to play and doing whatever it takes to, to get back out there and playing within reason, obviously. Um, and then, you know, here with, when it's this other end of that spectrum and the delivery of information, I haven't heard a direct quote from Kyrie Irving. I don't believe we've gotten a direct quote from Avery Bradley. And then we've heard from Dwight Howard. I, I would, I think it would be more uh, successful if the three of them kind of came out together and talked specifically about what it is that, that they're after here, what are their, what's their goal in, in, in approaching this conversation the way that they have. Yeah. I mean, you obviously have a different background than we do. So I I appreciate any insight you can bring from that PR perspective. Uh, There was one thing that Dwight said, I mean, most of his message was about just unifying among black players and making sure that everyone had the opportunity to speak and have their voice heard. Um, but then he said, some of these players may have leaders that could speak for them, but unfortunately, as history shows, leaders sometimes become self-serving and forget the people that they are supposed to represent. Mm. So do you think when he's talking about leaders, does he mean like the leaders of the teams? So like Danny Green as the player rep or LeBron James as the, de facto leader of the Laker locker room or you think he means Chris Paul in terms of representing the players or is that just more of a blanket statement that like you know leadership in general 
often corrupts itself. Well, I mean, that's, I think in general, I think that's, that's a good way to approach like watching the evolution of any individual leader. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but I think Dwight's own experiences here are really fascinating when you dig into them. Right. Like he was previously a superstar in the NBA and was paid like a superstar. And at that time, whatever it was, Chris Paul and LeBron James and, and the heads of the players union that were fighting for supermax contracts and, and the stuff that they've gotten that have, you know, led to the, the pretty sizable uh, earnings gap that mm-hmm. exists in the NBA. Like, I think he would have been, he, he probably would have been okay with that, but now that he's a league minimum type player and he sees like this side of that equation, I kind of wonder if he's looking at, at, at that same leadership, like, man, we, we really kind of trampled on some guys to get where we wanted to get for, for ourselves. And, and that's always going to be the issue when you have superstars at the head of the union. That's, it's, it's something that you're always going to run into where at the end of the day, they are going to fight for their own interests. And so long as there isn't, you know, another presence loud enough to speak up for the more average NBA player or, or below average in terms of average earnings type player uh, that those, those guys are going to get trampled on when the union is negotiating what is best for them against the owners. So, you know, like for example, if, if so contracts have become shorter in the NBA right. right over the last few years. And that really serves superstars because they now have that much more leverage over the team that they play for the organizations that they play for. But for guys who are making either average money or below average money in the NBA, that means that year in year out, you have to probably change situations so that you can continue to earn as much as you can possibly earn during your, especially relatively shorter career compared to those superstars who are wielding their power over the entire league. Like we keep on calling player empowerment that we we've, we've missed, we've completely misnamed it. It's not player yeah. empowerment. It's, it's, it's been star empowerment. Yeah, it's, been, yeah. it's been star empowerment. Like I don't think Lonzo ball and Brandon Ingram and, and everybody else on, on the Lakers last year felt all that empowered as LeBron was trying to trade them all for, for Anthony Davis. I don't think, you know, they, they felt particularly powerful in that equation. Um, and, and I think for Dwight, what he's talking about here is some of like, Hey, they've, they've, they've negotiated for what benefits them and hurt others in this league. And if we see that again here, where uh, on, on a much more important kind of broader scale in terms of a, a not just national, but a worldwide cause that, that everybody has gotten behind. If you have superstars negotiating for themselves and trampling on other people here, like that's, that's kind of the kind, the, the kind of stuff that, that, they're fighting specifically against, right? That's, that would be superstars operating as, as owners. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's important to think about who the players are looking to uplift with this new movement, because uh, I noticed that WNBA players were on the calls that Kyrie Irving and the others held over the weekend. 
And as all of these details about the NBA bubble plan come out, so too have details about how the WNBA plans to hold its 2020 season. Um, also in Florida, but in a uh, IMG Academy, it's like a high school campus, but apparently like one of those ridiculous high schools that only exists to serve sports teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's interesting that, I mean, maybe one of the ways that the NBA players could leverage their power is by negotiating some conditions for its sister league at this point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're, there's obviously a gap in the conditions that they're going to be playing through versus what the NBA is going through. Uh, maybe that's a way they could take care of other people. Uh, I, I'm obviously a little more invested in that side of things covering WNBA directly, but uh, I mean, WNBA players are on the call. Like they obviously are part of this movement. Uh, might be nice to throw them an assist as well. Yeah. I, I, I mean, equality is equality, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not to, I don't. I don't mean to go all lives matter here, or or, or Those are still black matter. lives. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I in in this case, you have such a giant gap in in support uh, for for the two leagues, uh, especially financially. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I I don't want this to get derailed with the the same stupid response of like, well, they don't the the women the women WNBA doesn't generate as much revenue as the NBA does. And it's like, well, okay, congratulations on, on using Google, but, (laughs) but, but also like they aren't, they aren't getting as large a slice of the pie as NBA players do. Right. Even Mm -hmm. if you were to just, just go right cross compare uh, the amount of BRI NBA players have compared to WNBA players, like it's 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 a pretty starch uh comparison stark contrast and, and I think it's a uh, 3070 in the WNBA right now. Yeah. Like it's just it's it's laughable and uh you know like you said if if one of the things that comes out of this is hey they are going to be playing quite literally in the exact same situation as we're going to be playing in and uh the the uh wage gap between men and women has been one of America's black eyes for far too long. Let's actually also stand up for that. And, 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 and again, like this is where, this is where, you know, it's really easy to, to point and laugh at, at Kyrie Irving for his previous stances and stuff. And, and it's also, it's even easier at a time where it looked like basketball is going to be heading back to uh, react really emotionally to this thing, you know, even being, even, somewhat being in question now even though i don't really mm-hmm. think it's in question like at the end of the day the things that they are standing for it's what we would want them to stand for if we were on the on the uh, unfair end of the equation here right like if 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 the nba players could enact some kind of change that benefited lakers bloggers i would be all for them yeah. holding out a little bit longer um, but because so many more people seem to care more about basketball than they do about some of these causes, you hear Kendrick Perkins telling them it's the, calling Kyrie Irving the distraction. Um, I, I just I just think it comes off as is really uh, distasteful a, a, a remark there, and and incredibly short sighted given the uh, potential opportunity that that might be afforded everybody involved in this thing. 
Yeah, I think it's really important that, like you said, the players stay united in their messaging and uh, just make it very clear what they're looking for and what they hope the NBA can help them achieve. Because like we said, there's an incredible opportunity here. Uh, This is the kind of platform that I don't think the NBA is going to have, you know, again, I think this summer is kind of a unique opportunity and I really hope they take advantage of it. Because the hope is that they never have it again. Right. Yeah. (laughs) If they have have it again, I mean, not, not enough changed. Yes. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's also just things to consider with the virus, but yeah, let's, let's assume that this is a unique opportunity. It's never going (laughs) to happen again. Uh, Basketball is pretty much standing alone this summer and, you know, let's see what they do with their platform. But before we get off, uh, we did have this again, 113 page manual leak yesterday. And I'm not discounting the severity of the situation that NBA is going through. Like obviously keeping people safe is of the utmost importance. Uh, it's going to be a massive undertaking. There are also a lot of funny things came out of this. <laughs> and I just wanted to know if there was anything in particular, like one specific detail that you read and was just like, I cannot believe the NBA thought of this. The snitch line. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, can you imagine? All right. So, so Team X and Team Y are in a seven game series. And right before a game five, right? Team uh, Y, one of its players, say, you know, their name rhymes with Schmish Paul, yeah. uh, happens to call this line because, <laughs> because he saw Kawhi Leonard, like, step one foot out of the quote-unquote bubble or the, the, the campus, mm-hmm. right? Or, or, or in the NBA Finals, right, if it's uh, Lakers and Bucks, LeBron calling that line because the Lopez brothers wanted to ride on Splash Mountain. <laughs> like, like, give me, give me all of the, the, the stupid things that are attempted to be called on for this. Um, as, as NBA players call their own fouls <laughs> amid a global pandemic, it's just incredible. Like the, the concept of it, the thought that like the NBA wouldn't, wouldn't think that we would laugh really hard at this. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's something that, that made me kind of really giggle. But well, how about you? Like, what, is, has anything kind of stood out to you? as far as the, the finding liberty in, in, in otherwise pretty thick situation? I guess this one isn't so much just like funny on the surface, but I'm very glad that the players are allowed to attend other games. That's yes. the one thing I was looking forward to the most because we're not going to have crowd atmospheres. There aren't going to be fans. And if it was just completely empty gyms, it's NBA basketball, but it would take away from the experience. But the idea of like, guys going to scout their next opponents or just going to like crap on people who they're not friends with. (laughs) Maybe even root for guys who they also like in the league, you know, like a little clutch corner. That's like, yeah, (laughs) I love this idea. I'm so glad that they're letting the players attend other games because we need to benefit from this experience as well as fans. We really do. Yeah. This is the best possible outcome. I, 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 now that we know that those players are going to be there, please don't pipe in sound. Like, give me, yeah. give me the shit that's going to be talked from from the stands now. Like, yes. uh, AAU tournaments. Like, this is one of my favorite things in AAU tournaments is that you'll have players from other teams yelling out onto the court. You know, because you know, in in some tournament situations, like I remember there was one team that 
we didn't want to see in the finals of a tournament because mm-hmm. they were just they weren't as good a team. I remember we kept booing the referee because they kept awarding <laughs> like free throws to the team that we do, we didn't want to see win. Like I want I want some of that. And then you know anytime some crazy highlight happens in an NBA game, you always have kind of the uh, unwritten rules of how to react, right? So if you're yeah, on if you're on the, the opposing team, bench. <laughs> yeah, like you got to you got to like really try to keep it together if if somebody gets dunked on mercilessly, mm-hmm. you got to try to like not react and sometimes they catch people like just kind of flinching like oh shit, oh my god, oh, you know. <laughs> but imagine what that might be like in the stands, right? Where where those unwritten rules wouldn't apply. So if somebody that another player doesn't like gets dunked on or you know, gets tripped up on a crossover or something like that. Like how, how will those players react from the stand? It's going to be incredible. I, I just did. I give me all of this. Like give me, yeah. give me like the NBA bachelor, right. Or, or some <laughs> like reality TV show. And before every week's like super cut of the things that have been happening behind the scenes, you get a different player saying like previously on the NBA bachelor. Right. And like, give me, give me all of this. Like they're watch me. One of my ideas that I would like in the players' lounge is to have um, highlights of previous games where these guys played against each other, and maybe you have like a controversial call, and you get these guys arguing at each other for was that the right call or wasn't it the right call? Give me that. Give me like these guys gambling. I want to watch them play 2K against each other. Have all of this on HBO and 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 just blow this whole thing out of the water and 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 yeah give me all of it i feel like you're this close to asking for like nba players to talk to the cameras in their own little interstitials (laughs) (laughs) no could you picture like alex caruso doing the gym stare every time rondo does something (laughs) and yes give me all of it i think it's gonna be great because players, they just look for different things in games than we do. You know, we've become so accustomed to like a certain way of watching games. I just, I want to know what they react to. Yeah. I mean, those, the, if you, if they're scouting, right. Like, you know, like you can actually probably watch them, you know, they won't be following the ball. Mm -hmm. Somebody like LeBron will be more focused on how a team rotates to something that Giannis is doing. Um, you know, then, then he will be focused on, you know, the, the seventh man hitting a corner three or something like that. Exactly. So yeah, give, give me all of that stuff. It's just, and, and this is kind of, you know, one of the criticisms that I know I have made throughout the year, I'm sure, you know, even before you and I started doing this podcast together, it was one of the things that I'm sure you touched on too, is that like the coverage of the sport and the packaging of the sport has kind of let me, has, has left a lot to be desired for me personally, at least. And, mm-hmm. And there's been too much focus on the non-basketball stuff, the, the trades and the rumors and TikTok and all that crap. But like, if, if like this is forcing them to sh- really focus on, on the basketball end of things and then also humanize these guys off of the court, you know, in ways that they aren't humanized in the news cycle, right? Like give me, give me all of that stuff. I, I, I really think the NBA, like we talked about the uh, platform it might have for, you know, helping drive further progress, but just in terms of kind of reimagining how the NBA is packaged and delivered to 
its audience and a, a, a shrinking audience, by the way. Like, exactly. Is there, is there a way that the NBA can take advantage of this and rethink the way that they have done things now for, for so long without really rethinking the way that the, the sport has been packaged? Uh, if, they, if they can do that and, you know, kind of uh, give, give the league a facelift and the uh, production value of this league of facelift, then, then this thing can really be a, a win for everybody involved. Yeah, they need to think beyond just one random new camera angle that nobody yeah. likes when they try it out <laughs> and they immediately scrap because they can't take being mocked on Twitter for too long. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, like give me, give me, like if it's, um, like one of the things I would, I would like is have have a camera um from because you can't really do this in nba arenas because they're so deep so it's kind of hard to do this but but have a camera that immediately faces uh is behind the ball basically and and you can see all the actions and and what are they trying to do here the the amount of length that's on the court like i i think this kind of gets lost in some of how we watch the sport is how little space there actually is on a basketball court just because of how big and fast they are. Like if we mm-hmm. can, if we can, you know, really highlight the beauty of the sport, um, you know, at a time where there is very little else going on, I, you know, it's going to be on multiple channels. Like you could, you know, ESPN has, I think I, I think it goes, it still goes up to ESPN, the Ocho. So like if you can go, <laughs> If, if they can use like a few of their channels or a couple of their channels for the big games to show like, all right, here is the traditional like Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson podcast version of this, of this game. But then here's also, you know, this, uh, a jump version of the game. And, and here is, um, here's a version that doesn't have any noise and you just get to hear the noises of the court. And, and here's all these different things. Like, I, I just think, they 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 have a really cool opportunity ahead of them right here and and as much as i'm and and you know to be clear i care a lot more about how they enact the social change um mm-hmm. than than i do you know the the extra camera angles or the way that the game is analyzed uh but but if they have an opportunity to do both of those things um and they aren't mutually exclusive then then going there amid uh, amidst the, this this global pandemic and the questions that are surrounding that um, and all the questions about whether or not this is a distraction, like there's a chance to answer all of those questions. And I, and I really think uh, the NBA should be open to answering. Them. Yeah. I think that's the perfect place to end on. Like none of these things are mutually exclusive. The NBA can prioritize safety and innovation and being social, socially, you know, uh, aware and contributing to new causes like all of these things are possible they just have to make them a priority and thus far it seems like we're headed in the right direction I uh, remain cautiously optimistic um, I think the one I'm probably least certain of is that they're going to find a way to revolutionize the broadcast just because I mean they love their their three-man booth <laughs> um, maybe the fact that they're not actually in the arena for the first two rounds will change some things so crossing my fingers i hope i hope they have them like all together in like a living room with beer (laughs) like that's the best version of how that game can be analyzed to me maybe maybe like breen can be in a different room right because he's more focused or or, you know breen can have a different mic that he can just like shut off 
Jeff Van Gundy and, <laughs> and Mark Jackson occasionally. But yeah, like give me, just give me something different than Jeff Van Gundy complaining about call reviews for, for 15 yeah. straight minutes. Yeah. Like we said, this is a hopefully once in a lifetime opportunity. So mm-hmm. they should think out of the box a little bit. Uh, but this has been fun, Anthony. Uh, hopefully, you know, the, the NBA is as willing to change things up as we are. So uh, <laughs> you've been listening to the Silver Screen Roll podcast. Uh, please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your shows, because we have Lakers and NBA content for you every day of the week. Take care. Get, 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 get